Welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Weddale. Today we hear from celebrated French TV host Artur about the growth of his satisfaction group after deals with Fullwell 73 and Yes Yes Media. World of Wonders Fenton Bailey and Randy Barbato on going beyond Drag Race with their own streaming service. And Bell Media's Sophie Parizeau on new French language comedy drama Bon Matin Chuck. Satisfaction Group was founded in 2010 by Arthur Espach, presenter of hit shows such as the French version of Deal or No Deal and Ce Soir avec Arthur, with the host having previously been co-MD of Endemol France alongside Banerjee boss Stéphane Corby. Satisfaction has been steadily building its business ever since and in 2023 acquired the French operations of Sony Pictures Television and struck a strategic partnership with Talpa Netherlands the year after. Last month, the firm invested in Richard Bacon's Yes Yes Media and established a joint venture with Full Wheel 73, the team behind the Late Late Show with James Corden, as well as entering talks to acquire French entertainment outfit Carson. Espar, otherwise known simply as Artur, spoke to me about these developments, how he's aiming to grow satisfaction further in the UK, Spain, Italy, Germany, the Nordics and US, and why he remains such a believer in Unscripted. Just talk us through, if you would, Artur, you know, what's been going on at Satisfaction over the past few years, because there was a definite kind of strategic shift, I guess, for the business when you acquired Sony Pictures Television France in, in 2020. What led up to that? And, you know, what's been going on at the business since? Uh, first of all, we start uh, Satisfaction uh, when I sold uh, Endemol France to Telefonica. I created Endemol France with uh, Stéphane Corby. And uh, when I start the new co, uh, Satisfaction, it was first to uh, produce the show I was hosting. And after that, I decided to create a creativity build-up. So the first company I bought was A Production. And A Production, it's a reality TV uh, production company. And we are producing close to 70 to 75% of the reality TV shows in France. The second acquisition I've made was a company named Enibas. And Enibas was more a France television, like public uh, channel uh, production company. We've got daily shows, weekly shows, magazine, and also we are producing, you know, on France 2, Quizmaster, which is a huge, huge success on France television. And after that, I decided to get IPs because my, my concern is to create and get as more format as possible. So I bought 100% of Sony Picture Television France. So I, 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 we produced, uh, since that time, uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, the French version of Shark Tank, Brainiest, and uh, The Dating Show. So I had a, a big access to their catalog. This week, we announced that we are on discussion to buy one of the best variety shows company, you know, singing shows, talent shows, and uh, comedy shows named Carson. We are working on it. So my goal was to uh, build up something around talents and creativity. We bought the company of uh, Camille Combal. Camille Combal is now the number one host on TF1. You know, I'm getting older, but the new talented guy is Camille Combal. We bring us on Satisfaction Group because we strongly believe that, and it was three years ago, I strongly believe that the unscripted will be the future. 
And today, I don't know tomorrow, but today it seems that I was wrong because for the French market and some European market, the place of the unscripting is growing every day for plenty of reasons. The first one is that there is no more room for uh, US scripted because all the streamers are retain them on uh, scripted for themselves. And there is not enough scripted to uh, feed all the market. So every broadcaster are opening new slot of non-scripted. If you take, for example, the number one in France, TF1, Tuesday was supposed to be a scripted or a movie day and it became a non-scripted. They are doing uh, survivors and we are producing a, a show, a, a family feud on Tuesday. And so now you've got Tuesday, Saturday, Friday, and now they're willing to open a fourth one. And each time it's 50 prime time per year. So if you take just the French market, there is 150 prime time available coming for unscripted. Cost less uh, expensive for uh, an unscripted. Uh, if you have to produce a French scripted show, it will cost you three to four times the price of a real uh, unscripted prime time. And top of that, it's cheaper and faster to produce. And now there is second uh, step we discover is that now streamers like like Prime, Netflix, Disney are asking for unscripted and reality TV shows. We just produced uh, uh, a French uh, creation named Love Trip. It's a kind of uh, reality TV show uh, look like Emily's in Paris, you know. We produce it in France for Fox and it's already on Disney and Hulu and Freeform. So we strongly believe that there are a lot of opportunity for unscripted formats and content. It's a fact, uh, as, as per today, it's really a fact that they are asking for a lot of uh, unscripted. And so to that end, you know, given the expansion and your interest in the unscripted space, given the, the uh, acquisition of the Sony Pictures television business in France, what's been going on since? And, and what are the sort of relationships that you've been establishing beyond those? I am very focused on uh, finding partnership with talent and creators. So the first deal we made was uh, with John DeMol. We are now representing John DeMol format through GV in France. We sold our first prime time uh, last week uh, to France Television and The Floor is the new big show coming from Holland. The second uh, deal we made was with uh, Yes Yes Media. It's the company of Richard Bacon. We took a stake on the company uh, with uh, Elizabeth Murdoch and also Courtney Cox and other people. Richard Bacon is a real and strong creator and uh, uh, we met uh, him because we bought few of his formats. Uh, we bought I literally told you everything and we get the rights also to Silent is Golden. And through these two uh, formats, we became friends and uh, when I had the opportunity to go further in our relationship that means taking part of his new company, I was really delighted that he find us a room uh, close to Elizabeth Murdoch. Also, we announced a content JV, a development JV with Fullwell. Uh, Fullwell, it's a company uh, led by uh, Ben Winston and Leo Perlman. We met them uh, less than uh, one year ago because we wanted to adapt one of James Corden's segments named, uh, in French, we name it uh, uh, Visual Suspect. And uh, from this five-minute segment, we create altogether brand new format. We are now willing to do the season three and the format is traveling. So we proved to the, we proved to the team that we had a stronger production value and a good development team. So we decided to co-create format, to co-develop and co-produce format together. So this is the first step we made because I'm uh, focused on finding the talent and the creators. 
Next step for satisfaction is that now we're going to buy companies because we took, we got so many market shares in France, that mean on TF1, France, and M6, that we are looking now to expand the satisfaction group worldwide. So we are looking uh, for a few companies in Spain, Italy, UK, Nordics, and in America. So we just start discussion. So I have nothing to announce, but always finding a company and looking for company who got the same DNA as satisfaction. That means we're not a big structure. Uh, our DNA is to be agile, fast. On the market for us, it's very important uh, to go fast. When we are buying a format, we are the faster to make a proposal, the faster to know the paper format. And facing the big elephant like Badiger, for example, we need to have satisfaction all around the world because to acquire format on the market, it's very important, you know, because today, if you want to buy a format, if you just say it's for French territory, they don't care about you. So we need to expand. And also we need to find company with the same way of producing and the same production value as us to produce our format instead of just make the distribution and give them to the competitors. You mentioned Banerjee there, and obviously he used to be in business, as you mentioned also with Stefan Corbet. I mean, what do you make of that business and more generally what's been going on in France over the past few years with all of the mergers and acquisitions? And it's not just Banerjee, it's Media One, it's Nguyen, Vivendi Studio, Canal Federation, Asatcha Media Group, the list goes on. So first, I'm a close friend to Stefan Corbet. We built together uh, and the mall, and he's now the king of the world with... Uh, Benjie. But the difference in between Benjie, Media One, and ourselves, because we are the three main uh, competitors in the market, we are the smallest, sensation is the smallest of the big, but the biggest of the small ones. And uh, is that Benjie and Met More Media One are focused on uh, scripted since years, when we were focused on unscripted. And top of that, because we don't have a big catalog, we, we've got a 20 hours, uh, 20,000 hours catalog, we don't have a big format catalog until we bought uh, Sony, uh, we had to create. And we are, I think we are the company who create the most in France. Uh, this year, we create plenty of formats from TF1 to France Television. We are the number one creator in the country. And also, we are the company where we, we are expanding their format worldwide uh, the most. The thing is that the market is very small in France. Okay. So we've got three companies. We've got Benigier. We've got plenty of big uh, brands. Media One, we are more focused on scripted and set satisfaction focus on unscripted so the cake is not enough we've got our market share and one year got plus 10 percent another year minus 10 but it's flat market French is a flat and also complicated and political market so this is why we are expanding satisfaction in Europe because we need to to increase our uh, business and the, the country is, is too small now. could you ever foresee a day where you go back into business with Stefan where satisfaction becomes part of Banerjee uh, we've got good relationship with Banerjee but for example Shine is still distributing uh, one of our formats which is uh, Anything Goes a format who travel a lot I think there are still 20 countries producing it but for the moment uh, uh, not for sale and you obviously have a a, a close association with with TFM with all of the on-screen work that you do for that channel and they have new and as well so would an alliance with them make sense at some point not for the moment uh, I don't even think about it you know uh, I understood some things say how big you are or how small you are the only thing you need is to have good content content is king okay but maybe uh, 
in the next few years. I don't know. I will need to be backed by a bigger group. I don't know, but I'm willing to do a bigger group. So it's not the right moment. But for the moment, what we are discussing is to find the real and the right partner to help the build up of the company. So I'm discussing with uh, different partners to find the, the money to, to expand uh, our ambition. What are some of the formats in your existing catalogue that you're most excited about? There was a lot of buzz around District Z, for example, um, when that came out a few years back. But what's sort of top of the slate at the moment? We've got two formats we strongly believe in it. We've got plenty, but uh, two, my favourite. Doesn't mean those are the favourite of the development team, but there is one which is a reality TV show named Divided. Divided is a real modern and new way of doing reality TV show and about uh, uh, finding a way to make couple being uh, stronger. Okay. I don't know if you heard about the format. It's a house. The house is divided in two parts with a big uh, window, huge window. On one side, you've got uh, the cheaters. Okay. And the other side, the people who have been cheated. And uh, sometimes the window becomes dark and sometimes it being fully clear and you don't see what's going to happen on the other side. We had a lot of interest for this format uh, at MIP. And the second one, uh, also I strongly believe in, is the liar-liar format. So got uh, interest for most of the territories who are doing any singles, I mean, 20 to 30 territories. Liar-liar, it's a comedy game show about lying. And you have to discover who's lying or not. And it's with celebrities. We strongly, strongly believe on that show. And it's already commissioned by TF1. And soon we'll announce that it's already been commissioned by a, a US broadcaster. So in terms of the overall health of the formats market, you're obviously a firm believer that it's going in the right direction. And, you know, the changes that we're seeing more broadly in the business are sort of cooling, particularly among the the, the streamers, perhaps towards scripted. Do you think uh, formats are going to be the real beneficiary of this if they're not already? I think uh, we discovered during COVID for the French territory, but also for other uh, European country, that format bring value and catalogs bring value to production company. Why? It's because for the first time ever, because of COVID, for example, if you take TF1 or even France Television, they didn't order any shows. They did only rerun of uh, uh, of already shows. And for the first time, they did a rerun of unscripted program. Normally, they are doing rerun of a scripted series, but they did, for example, Anything Goes, they did plenty of rerun, and the ratings was huge for two reasons. First, because there were plenty of people in front of the TV during COVID, but also because they took pleasure to see uh, non-scripted again. So this is this was something new. And from this time, and I, I, that was my bet, from this time, for the first time ever, the unscripted catalog became stronger than ever. So unscripted catalog means also format catalog. Okay. So having uh, the Sony catalog, for example, was very helpful for us because now you can see, and you're better than us, that there is a huge revival of the game shows in Europe, even in America. So we've got from Joe Pardy to the Wheel of Fortune to the uh, Wants to Be a Millionaire. All those big shows are in satisfaction group, so we are happy to, to get them. And the second thing we discovered top of the rerun is that there is a huge business on the side of the linear TV with our catalog. Uh, for example, our main uh, unscripted format can be cut in 12, five minutes. And we are making a lot of money digitally using this on the platform, okay? This is something you cannot do with scripted or documentary. You can do it only with unscripted and funny and comedy and scripted show. 
So because we've got thousands of hours of unscripted, we discovered that our catalog get a new uh, revenue coming from a social network, Fast TV also, because we just launched three uh, fast TV channels on Samsung and we're willing to do maybe hundreds of fast TV channels because we've got the catalogs. So there is a new era valuating the catalogs. This is exactly what, what I was focused on. Because if you take just a Facebook, the revenue we are making with five-minute segment of an unscripted show are huge at the end of the year. So as big as your catalogs, as more revenue will do on, on digital. And tomorrow, today is the fast TV. Tomorrow there will be something else. So we are really, really uh, focused on building uh, unscripted group and also buying unscripted catalogs. Yeah, you're absolutely making sense there. And obviously, uh, Fullwell 73 and The Late Late Show have had such tremendous success with segments like Carpool Karaoke and taking those Yes, but they are also the producing the Kardashian, you know? Yeah, and what happens to the, the sort of the, the segments that turn into to shows that sort of travel so this well on exactly social media? That, how we are producing, your interest. Exactly. This is how we are producing TV shows right now. We are doing... When we are doing the pacing of a show, we are doing five-minute segment, five-minute segment, five-minute segment to go digital. Because even the the linear broadcaster needs to make money on digital. They need extra revenue. So we need to produce content with it all the family and also streamed also all during the, the weeks and also making a, a part of their revenue on digital. But you make it only with unscripted or daily soap because if you missed the, the Tuesday show, you have to go to digital to see. And that was one of your interests in Yes Yes Media as well. I believe that they're doing a lot with technology as well. That seems to exactly. be really interesting. Exactly, yeah. because part of the project of Richard Bacon is not only to create format because it's a very and clever uh, creator, but also because he's developing format using technology. And he's got a partnership with a company in the Silicon Valley. And what he's going to announce soon is huge and amazing. And we already start working with uh, Richard. We already start co-developing format. We we brainstorm a lot on the show that he's developing now for uh, Robbie Williams, you know, uh, the show uh, Entertainment. And this is the, the kind of partnership we want to do. Uh, creating and, you know, if tomorrow you want to enter the French market, you are close to obliged to work with us because you're not going to work with Banijay because it's the number one competitor. You're not going to work with other producers because they don't have the slot. We've got output deal with the broadcasters. We've got the host and we've got the production value. So we know how to develop for French market because the French territory is difficult because a prime time is a two-hour show. So if you take, for example, when we took the five-minute segment for the James Corden Late Night Show and make it happen in two-hour show, it's a lot of time of development. We just sold the show to France Television. It's going to be four prime time. It's a two-hour and 20-minute show. And in Talpa, in Holland, it's a 40 two minute show so you need to create drama you need to create you need to keep the audience uh, all during the night and this is what we know how to do for the French territory but when you see the success of a scripted show like Call My Agent a French scripted show which has done so yeah. well around the world are you tempted at all by the, the scripted space? We've got a company doing scripted. Uh, the company is named uh, Aleph One, and uh, we are doing a scripted and documentary. Uh, you may heard about the Carlos Ghosn documentary that we made. 
We are working on the worldwide series named uh, about the Malaysian airline flight, you know, the MH370. We are working also on a new series about the water war. So we are working hard. We are also working on the French territory. We saw a few series for TF1 and France Television. So uh, it took two years to start the engine, you know, but now uh, they are working uh, like crazy. I'm, I'm very happy. And I'm thinking about, but not today, to find a boutique production company to join us. But for the moment, I'm really focused on uh, Unscripted. There is a huge room for Unscripted right now. Finally, if you look ahead to the next three years, I mean, well, the Sony deal was three years ago. I'm assuming perhaps there's a five-year plan in, in place. Um, so perhaps you could tell us, you've already suggested some of the things that you're looking at, but you know, where do you want to see satisfaction in, in two to three years' time? I would like to uh, have the same uh, market shares and DNA in uh, UK, Spain, Italy, America, Nordics, Germany. I would like to expand our format worldwide as much as we can. Uh, as I've told you, I strongly believe that the next three years will be the, the era of the unscripted, like 20 years ago. And uh, where I see a satisfaction, I would love to be the same boutique company, uh, creative with uh, an average of uh, 27 years old uh, team. Uh, if you take satisfaction group we've got 76 percent of women working in the company uh, we are creators using as much as diversity and creating people which is very important for us in terms of business sky is the limit it's very important because it because at least five years to make uh, the rest of the world that mean of our industry uh, being interested by uh, satisfaction and uh, it's complicated when you're starting from france because of the spoken language because of the way that people thinking about who is France, you know, when you, we are a teeny country, we are a, an important country in terms of uh, creativity and TV, but we are a teeny country on the map. So now when we're giving a call to Fox, to NBCU or to uh, Channel 4, whoever, they know us and they text the phone. So it took us five years to be well-known, okay? And not only well-known because we are making noise, well-known because we are doing good format. And when we are taking an adaptation, we are making good ratings. When we are buying a format from all three media, let's take... Let's say, for example, when we bought uh, the real Full Monty, okay, so we did two seasons in France. It was a huge success. When we did uh, Flirty Dancing, we did good rating. It was a success. So now we create a kind of confident relationships with the rest of the production company. And when we are at the MIP, uh, we are delighted to see that people respect us and respect us of work. That was a long journey to achieve this. So the next journey will be to make the same uh, for the rest of the world. Lot of work, my friend. Lot of works. World of Wonder Presents Plus, otherwise known as WOW PP, debuted in 2017. Launched by the production company behind hit series Drag Race, initially as a platform to house various international versions of the show. WOW PP has more recently broadened its offering to include unscripted series, comedies, documentaries, sketch comedies and scripted shows, with the current slate of originals including titles like Vanjie, 24 Hours of Love, Tartan Around with Lawrence Cheney and Painted with Raven. World of Wonder co-founders Fenton Bailey and Randy Barbato spoke with Jordan Pinto about expanding WowPP's original content pipeline, attaining SVOD profitability and eyeing new opportunities in the scripted space. 
Benton and Randy, thanks very much for joining me. How are you both doing today? I'm doing great. This is Randy, and I'm doing great. And this is Benton, and I'm just great too. Thank you. Brilliant. Well, uh, really appreciate you making a bit of time for me. Um, we're going to talk um, primarily about uh, World of Wonder Presents Plus, uh, which is the streaming service owned and operated by your production company, World of Wonder, which is more commonly abbreviated to WOW. Um, I think this service is a very um, interesting case study in, in how to build uh, a niche streaming product, um, especially in this crowded marketplace. Um, I believe it's been about five and a half years since um, WOW Presents Plus um, was launched. Um, and today it's a profitable streaming service, which is not necessarily the norm in the industry today. I think we, uh, I don't think I'm breaking any news by saying that. Um, so maybe we can talk a bit to start with about the growth of the service and how you've been able to become profitable uh, and, and remain profitable, which is a, a key key part of this too. Well, you know, we, we what was supposed to be launched it, and we were like less than the price of a latte, but so much more. So you know, because the the thing is, you know, you may not think twice about going to Starbucks and getting a latte in the morning, but you know, represents plus costs less than that for a whole month. And I think one of the things that made it possible, we'd always wanted, we'd always dreamed of having our own network, but it just simply wasn't technologically or financially, you know, these things require hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. But the miracle of the internet is it's streaming. And that price of entry suddenly disappeared with the advent of streaming. I think what sets us apart, statement of the obvious, is that, you know, we're not Amazon, we're not Netflix, we're not Apple. We sort of decided early on that we would, that Wild Presents Plus would fit within what we already do in terms of making shows. And it, in terms of sort of having a huge amount of overhead and billion dollar budgets for original programs, that simply wasn't an option for us. Yeah. No, I was just going to add to that. It's it sort of, it, it was the price of entry. It's the price, it's also the price we're able to pass on to the consumers. But then it's two things. It's, we are, have all, always been a fiercely independent and scrappy production company from day one. So we've always put the money on the screen and we know how to produce cheaply. And we have this audience that we've always believed there, there's this tribe that is, you know, bigger than people estimated. I think people always sort of think, oh, here come Randy and Fenton with their high heels or whatever. Like they've mm. just like to sort of marginalize what we're doing. I mean, we've been around for 100 years and we've been marginalized for 200 but <laughs> but but the reality is that it's a much broader audience at, who are kind of starving for something that's a little left of center. We deliver yeah. to that. Mm -hmm. um, how, how does how does the streaming service fit into your broader strategy? Because you know you you make a lot of shows and a lot of the products that you produce is for other platforms and now and I think a, a growing amount of it is produced um, exclusive exclusively for your st streaming platform. Um, how do you think of the, the the streaming service within the whole piece of the puzzle? Well, I think with our sort of first desire was to build a place where all the different versions of Drag Race could exist because we always felt that the thing about Drag Race that is unique is that. I think is that we believe that people would want to watch the other versions. So, you know, people in America would be interested in seeing the UK version of Drag Race or the Down Under version of Drag Race or even, you know, the Thai version of Drag Race. And so we wanted to build a place where 
they all could be in one place. And then at the same time, we always also, we often want to work with the queens who've been on the show. Not all of them want to work with us or necessarily want to do more shows in the TV space, but we definitely wanted to be able to have the opportunity to continue to work with drag queens from the show that wanted to do that. And it just seemed so much easier rather than going out and pitching all the shows to the, to the networks, which can be, you know, is a long, can be a long process. And also, often, increasingly often, actually, the, the filter of those networks is increasingly specific. And so we realized we had a lot more ideas for shows working with the talent from the show than there would be a place to find them on cable channels, you know, on TV. So it was like, let's just do it ourselves. And and I think that what we found is that whether we're producing for Wow PP or we're, we're producing for other networks, it sort of has helped us, you know, increase the slate in both areas because we can be more targeted with stuff we take out to shop that we are really motivated to do. But for one reason or another, usually budget, you know, might not work for Wow PP. So I think we've been more focused in producing for both entities. And then, of course, we are increasingly trying to create opportunities where we can do synergistic deals. Uh, a great example of that is the news uh, Big Frida series, which we're doing with Fuse as a co-production. So both Wow PP and Fuse are investing in this series. Um, we both will run it on our platforms, which aren't really, which are going to just fuel one another. We're not really in competition. And so that's a great opportunity that Wow PP, I think, will increasingly offer other platforms and production entities to help where we basically deficit finance. I think that that I just want to add to what Randy's saying, because I think that's that's so true that traditionally the idea has been that a channel, whether it's a network or a platform, needs to have the exclusive rights to something and to own all the rights. And that any sharing or collaboration with another platform or another outlet is a bad idea. But actually, we think it's the opposite. That actually, those sorts of collaborations those sorts of co-productions and that sharing of things can actually help build an audience rather than undermine an audience. And so, you know, look, you know, Wild Presents Plus is not, is not, we're not in the super big streaming wars where billions of dollars have been thrown around, but we think Wild Presents Plus can be a really additive experience in partnership with a cable network, say, or even a, a, a terrestrial network, or even another streaming platform. You know, that it's, it's kind of the more the merrier rather than I've got, it's just got to be hours and hours alone. Um, roughly how many original series um, launch on, on WOW PP each year? Or like maybe like this year might be a better example, but do you know roughly how many originals there are? I think it's around a dozen, right, Randy? Can we? Yeah, let's keep talking and we'll fact check that, you know, in real yeah. time. How <laughs> okay. exciting. Yes. Um, and well, just to drill down a bit on the, the originals themselves, are they primarily things that premiere solely on WOW, for example, not not uh, not the example of the Frida Fuse pro project you gave, but primarily are they um, solely financed by the company, things that go on the, the streaming service? Yeah, I mean, the, the different Drag Race versions, it's always a co-production co scenario, but the, the sort of US made originals, for want of a better term, they're all self-financed. And, you know, this this idea of the 
these sorts of uh, collaborations is, I, I would say, you know, it's, it's a relatively, it's not our idea, but I think it's a relatively new idea to an industry that is used to doing things a certain way and used to doing them a different way. So I think there's, it's a part of a process of like, not just that particular idea of the collaboration, but just sort of generally sharing, the, persuading people about the philosophy behind it, that it's additive rather than subtractive. Yeah. So yes, yes. And then I would just add that, that in, in, you know, in terms of the original content, I think, you know, the second half of this year, and as we move forward, I think we'll be introducing a lot more. There's a talk show, comedy sketch show. There are, there are slightly more ambitious re expensive productions that will be rolling out so you know bit by bit i mean we're moving at the speed that we feel comfortable with and you know not in a race to to drop the millions of dollars that we don't have on shows that people might not watch <laughs> yeah um but but it sounds like 2023 is quite an important year in terms of kind of maybe rounding out the the content offering that is on on the streaming service yeah i think that's fair to say yeah yes um, to what degree are you able to, or do you mine some of the data points um, from WowPP um, to inform decisions you would make about development, or you know, you might see that something is particularly being watched or is resonating? Um, to, to what degree does that kind of filter through how you develop projects? Yeah, data is really important, but it can't be driving the car. You know, I think we hear a lot about the algorithm at other places and how you know if the algorithm doesn't respond to something, you know, you're toast. But I think the problem with the algorithm, as impressive as it is in terms of its detail and complexity, the problem with the algorithm is it's only telling you what people have done. It isn't telling you what people will do. And so even in an AI world, I still think that an idea that comes from a, it's like, oh, well, maybe we should do this, is really valid rather than just being led by the data. Because to me, being led by the data is driving a car looking in the rearview mirror. Yeah, you know what happens. At Wow PP, we are not slaves to the algorithm. I mean, you know, at World of Wonder in general, we aren't. I mean, I I, I think of some shows that like like Drag Race, if we if we had sort of gone by the success or size of audience for the first season, we wouldn't be here today. I do think a bit of a, you know, I, I do think some of the language around this is quite tricky in the sense that, for example, a word that always triggers me is niche, because I always get the sense that niche means only of interest to a very limited few people. And that by definition, those few people, it isn't just that it's a few people, they're not people that really matter as much as potentially other people. And the reason niche always triggers me is that ultimately, you know, the mainstream is this idea of what something of a broad or mainstream idea, you know, well, Drag Race would be the very first show you would say, oh, well, that's niche, you know, but it has proven to be broad and it has proven to be mainstream because contrary to what a lot of people said, drag is not niche and the stories of the queens and what they go through, those are things that resonate with everybody. And and that, funnily enough, the weirdness is that everybody, it's not weird, actually, everybody feels like an outsider. And so the outsider voice, ironically, is the voice of the mainstream. And so this, this you know, we, we've we heard it a million times as we picture ideas. Oh, you know, it's too niche. Well, yeah, everything's niche until it connects with, with a lot of people. And then and suddenly it's not niche. So I just... 
where I'm going with this is that I think that specificity is what audiences respond to. And it doesn't have to reflect their own world for them to be able to connect with it because everybody's an individual and everybody's story is different. Fenton, just picking up on something you said earlier about how I think you said the the networks, they kind of increasingly they have a very specific filter for some of the programming and it can make it a bit tricky to, to pitch to them. Was I reading that correctly? And are you? Did you kind of feel that some of the some of the content it, there's less space for it on traditional television or traditional streaming services? Well, I just think if you were to sit down and look at the history of shows that have been hits, in very few cases would you be able to say, "Oh yes, that's a broad mainstream show." You know, I think whether it's South Park or whether it's a Squid Game, they came out of incredible specificity. They they came out of if. One of a better word, a niche approach. How do you see the future of Wow PP? Streaming sector is a very uh, interesting and dynamic one right now. If you think about the long t- the long term for Wow PP, do you see it remaining as, as a standalone pr- platform and and growing it as you have been doing, or could there be other um, other incarnations or other deal models whereby you, you could be either bundled with with another platform as, as an add on or something like that, or even acquired by another player? I think we just see growing it as we are growing it. I think, you know, we don't, we're a pretty organic production entity. I mean, we do the stuff that turns us on. And yeah, there is a business model, but the goal is really the opportunity to make more content and to make more dynamic content. And what provides us with the opportunity to do that is just growing the platform. The bigger it is, the bigger the audience, the more opportunities we have to create more content. Um, There's actually 17 originals this year. Um, So hopefully there'll be, you know, 25 to 30 next year. That's the kind of growth we're we're looking for, almost double. Yeah. Um, When you're thinking about growing, when you think about the the business model and you have the the revenue brought in by by the company, are you increasing the percentage that you're kind of investing in in growing the streaming platform with an increase in the number of originals? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, yeah. the, we, we are thrilled that Wow Presents Plus is profitable, but we're putting all that money back into the platform because sort of our mission is to is to reach the parts that other platforms don't reach and, and reach also the places that they do reach because I think that, you know, we're in the screen age, which means that just more and more our lives are about consuming things, watching things, interacting on screen. And I don't see an end to that anytime soon. I think more is more and will be more. Um, thinking about the, the industry today, how do you assess the health of the unscripted business? Um, and specifically in relation to LGBTQ plus content. Um, obviously, Drag Race has been, I think it's, this might be its 15th year. Forgive me if I'm wrong on that one. Um, but but that that broke out at a very, very different era of television. Is that kind of build to the point it's gotten to? Do you think that's possible in today's slightly more fractured um, streaming space? Yeah. I mean, I think um, one of the things we're seeing in the streaming world is a shift from a country focus to a global focus. And certainly with Drag Race, there are still countries for Drag Race to launch. You know, Drag Race is in 17 countries currently. But, you know, we really believe in the show and we really believe in that drag is a sort of perfect medium for our times and can bring about sort of great change in terms of increasing not just tolerance, but sort of 
getting past this idea of very traditional stereotypes about gender and sexuality. And so, you know, we think there's a lot of room and we think it's important to actually create more versions of, of drag race and more shows also that, that perform internationally in different countries. You know, drag's always existed and has always existed in every country in a different form. It hasn't always been on TV there, though, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I just to add to your, yeah, um, to this, I, like, while, while I think the landscape is more fractured and specific in terms of either terrestrial or streamers, in terms of their needs, I think it's, an exciting time for non-scripted television. You do see some big swings. You do see people like trying to kind of shake it up a little bit. The, the, the problem is the algorithm and the problem is people's appetite to, to for something to have a slow burn. And that that's where, where sort of new ideas don't get, you know, don't really get the chance. And so hopefully that will change. But I do think it's an interesting time. And I do, I mean, I definitely don't think there's enough LGBTQ uh, productions out there. I think there are t- a lot of token characters, but it would, you know, it'd be nice to see more, especially right now. It's so important right now, considering what's going on in America, What actually what's going on all over the globe in terms of like, you know, trying to turn back time and all, all these bans and legislature. There's like four. 407 bills that are in some shape or form trying to be moved forward in America. So it's important for that visibility. It's important for people to be reminded we're we're everywhere. We're here, we're queer, we're everywhere. Um, Fenton, you mentioned that the um, drag race is currently in in 17 countries. Um, Are there plans? You you know, I'm sure there's, uh, I'm sure there's things in the works, but and no, you know, there are things you won't be able to tell me, but are there plans underway at the moment to take it into, uh, to, into more territories? Yes, <laughs> there are. I mean, we're excited with, with Drag Race. Uh, Mexico, Brazil, and Germany are coming soon. They've, they've been announced. And in many, many countries, we're into season two or three. So it's sort of taking root, which is really exciting to see. Especially at a time in America when there's a sort of move to ban drag in certain states. Yeah. Um, when you see that kind of thing on the news, how does that make you think about what what you're what you're doing in the day to day? I know you've you know this is a company. This has been but for both of you, this has kind of been your life's work for thirty years. But um, maybe when you think about those whole thirty years. Some of the things that are happening in the world today are obviously, you know, scary, frightening, almost unbelievable when you see them. Um, how does that make you think about the work that you're doing on a, on a daily basis? It's depressing, but it's also energizing and motivating. I mean, you know, it energizes us to do more. I mean, I think the most political thing we can do is just produce the kind of content we do. And that's what we do. We've also started with, with MTV, we've started the Drag Legal Defense Fund, um, partnering with ACLU to to be a little bit more specific in terms of trying to be politically active and, and targeting people to make donations via ACLU. But I think the most important contribution we can make and we have made for the past 30 to 100 years is just to produce LGBTQ content and we will keep doing it forever. So they bury us. Um, last couple from me, and I will uh, I'll wrap it up, folks. Um, is there anything you can tell me about the developments late at the moment? Um, I know you probably won't be able to talk about specific 
specific projects, but are there any kind of new areas or new uh, new subgenres that are a focus, either for Wow PP or for things that you are selling um, to um, you know other other services or other platforms? Oh, that's such a good question. I mean, but it's also the hardest question to answer because I sort of because um, what you really need is a big reveal and. Um, uh, Ren, have you got a big reveal? Are you sitting on a big reveal? Well, I didn't want to say. <laughs> no, um, no uh, we don't have a big reveal. <laughs> I mean, this whole interview has been pointless. There's no big reveal. <laughs> no, no, that's quite all right. Um, any, any, any more plans for any things that lean slightly more into scripted in, in, in the future? You know, it's interesting because we. We, you know, um, the eyes of Tammy Faye, our documentary, uh, Jessica Chastain bought it to turn it into the feature movie, the eyes of Tammy Faye and, you know, won two Oscars last year. So that's, so we do have a bit of a track record of, you know, Party Monster documentary we did. We turned it into a movie with Macaulay Culkin. So it is something we would like to do more of because it's not like telling the same story. The sort of scripted version is rooted in the same space, but has a very very different perspective. And yes, Randy. No, keep going. Keep going. Yes. And then I'll so it's like we are yeah. developing. But I, I, you know, we have a big old drag queen scripted movie. We have a great script and we're ready to take it out. And someone needs to give us some money to make it. It's super funny. It's filled with drag queens. And, and there's so, your reveal. You get the title. There's a big reveal. And can, what about a shameless plug? Love Fun, it. Trixie and Katja celebrating 200 episodes. You know, part of growing Wow PP is to invest in marketing. And we are pushing for that show to get an Emmy nomination starting right now. You're the first to hear it. This is the big reveal. Trixie and Katya. Mm. For your consideration. Emmy, for your consideration. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Fenton, you have um, Screen Age, your nonfiction book coming out. It begins in the nightclubs of, uh, of New York uh, in the club scene in the 80s and 90s. And then it charts the, the rise of drag into the uh, into mainstream culture. And of course, also charts the rise of the Drag Race franchise. Um, could you tell me a bit about the process of sit, sitting down and, and documenting the past 30 years? And then also maybe as an add-on, did that spur any ideas for you for either documentary ideas or potentially scripted ideas as well when you were, you know, I'm sure you were going through a lot of story and a lot of um, things that happened in the past that you thought would make for interesting uh, interesting exploration? Well, yeah, I mean, the, 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 sort of the book came about because growing up, I watched television a lot, but also television's always been sort of slagged off by the cultural, mm, the guardians of the culture. So there's tons of books about how even TV is and what a terrible effect it's had on society. There aren't as many books saying TV is actually a magical transforming force that has, has profoundly changed who we are. And I don't know that that was a book I set out to, to write, but in the course of thinking about many of the shows we have made and some of the ones that we haven't, it was trying to give a good accounting of TV. And, and oftentimes, you know, even within the TV space, reality TV, I think has been maybe the most demonized of all the genres and thinking that actually, well, no, you know, reality TV is the sort of potentially the killer application of TV and that TV isn't really just a pale imitation of the movies. TV actually is a kind of reality documentary medium. And so that's sort of what the book is about. And and um, just been incredibly lucky, I suppose, by working with Randy and 
through the experience of Drag Race and everybody at World of Wonder to be able to like take a moment and sit back and have a long view of, of things. Because I do think that ultimately TV is a force for the good rather than, as has been argued, a force for the bad. Canada's Bell Media is lining up new Jean-Francois Riva, French-language comedy-drama Bon Matin Chuck, Good Morning Chuck, for a debut on its streamer Crave later this month. The highly stylized black-and-white title was in competition at Cannes Series in April, and Bell Media General Manager of scripted series Sophie Parizeau spoke to Michael Picard there about the show, plus what the company's looking for in terms of international co-pros, having recently boarded NRK Leonard Cohen drama So Long Marianne. So, uh, my name is Sophie Parizeau. I'm the GM of a scripted series for Bell Media in uh, Canada, Quebec. I'm specialized in the scripted series in French and, uh, and bilingual because we have at Bell Media, it's the biggest um, major company in media. We have radio, we have uh, television, uh, we have publicity, we're very, very big. And in Quebec, we have, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm managing Nouveau, which is the conventional channel. And I uh, have also Crave, which is a unique platform, a streaming platform that is uh, all across Canada where we present content in English and in French uh, with subtitles. So it's very unique and it represents our culture. Finally, we have both languages on the same platform. So uh, I came here uh, today, uh, this week, because we have Bon Matin Chuck, Good Morning Chuck is a scripted series that we're gonna launch May 24 on Crave, which is very, uh, by you spoke with the creative uh, this morning, which is very mo- witty, modern, edgy. Uh, ter- it's it's the DNA of what we're looking for, like yeah. something you don't see anywhere else. No, I mean, you, you certainly don't see Good Morning Chuck anywhere else, not from where I see, because it's, it's in black and white for a start, yeah. and it's, so it's very stylish and, and heightened. Yeah. Um, the story is uh, a little eccentric in places with the blend of humor and, and some dark drama and themes. Of, of addiction but also the jazz music soundtrack and and the the visuals are just yeah it's a very unusual show and, and that sums up the sort of thing you're looking for but I, actually uh, yeah it's 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 something in particular this show i would say that in bell media crave our platform are younger than the average of the other uh, television shows mm-hmm. so we're looking content that have edge that is different that can talk to a young audience uh, who is sensible about creativity. And yes, of course, Jean-François Rivard is also a director that has proved that he can go in this kind of uh, DNA too. Black humor, like you said, is very artistic, is very good to direct actors. So uh, we wanted his signature. And we knew him, so we really wanted to have his um, his DNA. But in general, I mean, we want audacity in our show for sure. It can be a look, it can be music, it can be a script. So uh, yeah. And is that the same from Crave across all the platforms and channels, or is that specific to that one platform? But Crave, it's a one platform across Canada. Mm-hmm. Not the content go theirs. For uh, our conventional channel, we're looking for. A, a, large public uh, 
shows more because we want to target a larger audience. Um, but always with a, a modern, uh, a DNA in particular, like we're very looking for a show that can talk to a large audience, but a, a younger audience too. So, mm -hmm. and so, I mean, what are some of the things you're thinking about at the top of your mind when you're you know, commissioning and hearing pictures now? Because we're at MIP TV and, and we're hearing of all the challenging circumstances producers and broadcasters are facing at the moment. What are the things you're thinking about? Are you looking to perhaps uh, save money by reducing budgets or, or commissioning oh, okay. fewer shows? How, how I mean, are you responding to the market conditions at the moment? Uh, actually, uh, we have a lot of ambition. Mm -hmm. It's quite the opposite okay. because we are we are always looking for content and I'm here to uh, develop co-production okay. international mm -hmm. and to find other broadcasters that can have a fit, a DNA similar to co-develop so we can bring money in, they can to face actually, like you said, the mar the market that is really challenging. So uh, we're looking for partners. We're looking for creative that can bring us to work with other country. Like we launched, we announced uh, last week our uh, one of our first big co-production called So Long Marianne mm -hmm. about Leonard Cohen's life. So we're working with Norway, Greece, and Canada, and it's a way to yeah to uh, bring. Uh, other partners to make a bigger show with with other broadcasters. Yeah, and and so when uh, you have a show like Salon Marianne, I mean, what is it that appealed to you about that show? Working with different partners around the world to make sure that I guess everyone wants something to suit their audience. So what was it about that that suited but, yours? I mean, this is a perfect project because it's so organic with all the countries mm. that are participating like Marianne was from Norway it comes from their family actually from Marianne's family that approached the broadcaster in Norway with this story about her Leonard Conan is from Montreal he's a he, he live in our city so and they they lived in Greece so there's something so organic about the real life of Leonard Cohen that it wasn't quite difficult and I think this is what we're looking for if we do co-production if we do a project with other countries it has to be organic mm -hmm. and in the story to make sure that we don't compromise and and what every country wants mm -hmm. so it's the perfect project for that yeah and how are you going to take your role forward once that show is I guess going to production and, and making sure. It's in production, yeah. uh, they're on shooting right now. Okay. Uh, I'm going on set in two okay. weeks, I'm going to Onidra, <laughs> I know it's very sad for me to go on an island, um, to see the crew, uh, to meet in person the broadcaster from Norway because mm -hmm. we have met on Zoom but we, I mean, everything it's it's so virtual right now. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they are the leader. I have to say, the Norway is the leader of the project. It comes from them. Yeah. Um, so, how does that affect whether you want to give notes or things like oh, that? How is your did. role in the production? We did, yeah. but they, we did. I think uh, we 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 were seduced by the show. They came with the show. It was, there was there was already a director, a showrunner. So. We, w we were on board with their vision mm -hmm. and they were very open with our, our, our vision too and our notes. So, yeah. yeah, like I say, it's a dream project. Right. And, and I mean, the streamers in Canada obviously have a big presence there. I mean, how have you had to respond to that sort of challenge for audience in any particular way? How have you adjusted your strategy to, to meet that specific threat, perhaps? <laughs> um, but in Quebec in particular, we're lucky because most of people are French Canadian. Mm -hmm. 
and we are very close to our culture. Uh, the uh, like the the audience are very uh, attached to their uh, their actors. To the, so uh, it's important for us to continue to pursue content in French because the public is there. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is the reason why we're looking for audacity because for sure we don't have the same budget as the Americans. So the only way that we can step up and and attach the audience is with very original sign project that they won't find anywhere else. Yeah. And it has to start in the script and it has to be with some original story, original characters. And um, this is how we're working. And so far it's 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 working. Like <laughs> the audience is there, so we're happy. Yeah, great. And then just obviously we're here in Cannes and you've got a show here. Um, I mean, how have you seen the, the world respond to Quebecois content over the past few years? Because it has it's, been playing well in festivals and, it's and been selling. <laughs> Seriously, it's, I have this, this conversation. The Quebec shows in the last four years they are all around the world. Like last year, uh, it was Audrey Revenu that mm -hmm. won in Cancerie, which was Quebecois as well. Uh, Framboise was in Berlinade. So I feel like the world is interested about our, it, it, it's all shows that are uh, particular. Mm -hmm. Dramedy, uh, very, uh, they're very open to dramedy. Um, I, I was uh, happy, it's rare that you have the public when you watch TV series and yesterday when we, we did the presentation of Bon Matin Chuck the room was full I was really happy with it but I mean by chance they were subtitled because it's in French but it's in Quebecois and it's slang and it's it's a particular language and people were laughing and I was so happy to see that Sophie Parizeau speaking with Michael Picard that's all for this episode, but you can hear more discussion by tuning in to our C21 FM internet radio station, where you'll find new interviews airing from Monday. The podcast will be back next Friday. In the meantime, stay up to date with all the latest international TV industry news and views by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Thanks for listening.